to the Bishop Strickland Hour. My name is Terry Barber with Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Bishop Strickland, thank you for joining us on this busy Holy Week. Thank you, Terry. I'm really pumped up, but I people tell me all the time, I've, they say, why are you always excited? And I always tell people, because I love Jesus Christ, especially in the Holy Eucharist. That's what fires me up. I just came from the Blessed Sacrament praying, and uh, that combination with, on the natural level, iced tea, I'm fired up. <laughs> Bishop Strickland, today I want to talk about, uh, yeah, your, your tweets, but I also want to, this breaking news that just came out on the 13th of this month, and it's uh, over 70 bishops, and you're one of them, you, you guys warned the German bishops that the synodal path will lead to schism. I mean, Bishop Strickland, uh, this is guys like Cardinal Pell, Cardinal Renzi, Lots of cardinals and bishops around the world, and it's a fraternal open letter. I think what a great thing to do. Uh, there, the Catholic agency is addressing it. They're saying that uh, they're sending this letter to the bishops of Germany, saying uh, that the synodal path is risking to a dead end, and it's a very controversial movement within the German Church. And it was launched back in 2019, for those who don't know. But it's um, the concern these bishops are having is that what these bishops in Germany are doing is changing what the perennial teachings of Christ taught on sexual morality, on women's priesthood. And it goes on and on and on. And so uh, the article says it well about they're, they're trying to they're appearing to, to change the structure of the church, and rather than changing people's hearts and turning them to Christ, they're becoming more worldly in these views. So I wanted to give you a, a, a little time to explain to me why these bishops are signing this letter and sticking their neck out, so to speak, because there's thousands of bishops who aren't on that letter signing. So can you share with us why you are so firm about wanting the letter to get to your brother bishops in Germany? Well, absolutely, Terry. Um, it should be every bishop, in my opinion. And it's because we're being bishops. Mm -hmm. Bishops are to guard the deposit of faith. That's Amen. a promise we made. Amen. And frankly, the synodal path of Germany, as proposed, is doing the opposite. It's eroding yep. the deposit of faith and saying, oh, it's all up for grabs. That's not what we're celebrating during this Holy Week. And Terry, really, the way I would frame it yep. is you have a crucifix there behind you. I do. This Holy Week, we are. it's the week of weeks. It is the greatest seven days in, in all of our time. Every year, we commemorate what the Son of God, Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, what he accomplished. And we can't let it go. Yeah. Even if every person on earth decided to deny it, it's still the truth. Right. And it's the truth that will set us free if we will just allow it to. So, frankly, Terry, we need not just 70 bishops, but 70 times seven bishops. Uh, we need every bishop being a bishop and supporting the truth. Yeah. Um, 
I, I'm proud to stand with the bishops that did sign it. And I humbly and lovingly urge every bishop to consider joining it um, because we need every bishop. And there are bishops even in Germany. It's not that every single bishop is on this synodal path. The leadership is. But I've spoken to bishops that are there and are not, but they're in the minority and they're not certainly not the loudest voice, but um, we need to join them. Every bishop that is true to the call of bishops has to face the challenges of living the truth of Jesus Christ. I'm a sinner. We all are. Sure. And We've got to call people from sin to truth, to sin, from sin to virtue. And I, I'm very glad that, I mean, and I don't think it's, it's div divine providence, I believe, yeah. that this letter is coming out during Holy Week. Mm. We had our, each diocese does the Chrism Mass. I mean, the liturgy calls for it on Thursday, but that's, simply not practical when priests have to travel. We had ours this morning for Tuesday of Holy Week, mm -hmm. a beautiful liturgy with a renewal of priestly commitment awesome. for me and all the priests mm -hmm. and the blessing of the holy oils for catechumens and oil of the sick and the consecration of the, the chrism that will be used at baptisms, ordinations, confirmations throughout the coming year. These are signs and symbols of what we believe in. The sacraments are offering us, in reality, the strength and grace that Jesus Christ unleashed when he died for us. The sacraments, as the church fathers say so beautifully, and the church has echoed through the ages, when blood and water flowed from his pierced side, pierced by the lance of a soldier, to prove that he was dead, that he had given his life for us, that blood and water flowed forth as an image of the sacraments, especially baptism and Eucharist, but really all of the sacraments flowing out of those two sacraments, baptism and Eucharist. And that's the truth that Jesus Christ sent his apostles out to teach. He said, go and baptize all nations. In the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit, share with them the good news of his truth and message. And that has that mandate, the, the, the great commissioning there in Matthew's gospel at the very end, it's still our commissioning. It's our mandate for today. And we can't let go of it. I won't let go of it until they pry it from my dead hands. Amen. I mean... That's how the, that's the only way I'll let go is if they eliminate me, but I, I can't. Nope. And, you know, so both of us, when it comes to Jesus Christ, we get carried away. Amen. We should. We get enthusiastic. We get on our bandwagon. Yep. But that's that's your job as just a disciple, yep. a father and a grandfather, a husband, a Catholic man. Yep. And for me as a Catholic bishop, we start as Catholic sons of God. We believe in our faith. Yep. And we need to be willing to stand for it. I mean, you know, we're witnessing the attacks on Ukraine right now. 
And we have men and women willing to sacrifice their lives for a nation. It's happened through the ages. It happened for this nation, the United States. So we honor that. But, But as Catholic men, we stand for something much greater than any nation of this world, for the kingdom of God. And we've got to, people need to wake up and start speaking out. More bishops, more priests, more deacons, more men and women religious, and more Catholic men and women. We need to say we've had enough of all the confusion and all the harm and all the division. And pointing the finger at us and saying, you're dividing, that's simply not the truth. Jesus Christ is the principle of unity for the church. He can we will never be unified. Look where we are, even as people say, oh, yes, I believe in Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. But he's the one that will unite us. He prayed for us to be one. And look how fractured Christianity is. And sadly, even the church, the, the Roman Catholic Church, which we know is the church he established with all her brokenness through the ages, but she is fracturing more and more. But Jesus Christ is the is the person. The principle of unity is not just a book of ideas. The catechism is great, but only because it expresses who Jesus is and points to the Father and the Spirit, the truth of God, God who is love. That's why the catechism is great, not because it's some great book, but because it shows us our living Savior. He is with us, and people need to grasp that and be willing to sacrifice whatever they need to in order to live this truth. We've got to get very clear in this dark world, where is the light? Where is the joy? It's in Jesus Christ. Well said, and other bishops are saying similar things, like Bishop Haraki said himself, a signature of that letter. He said, the German Sedona way has strayed far from the path of authentic Christianity, and has placed itself in opposition to the truths of our Catholic faith as taught over the centuries from scripture and tradition. And this is what I like. He says, in fraternal correction and in union with bishops from around the world, I encourage the bishops of Germany to return to the true deposit of faith as handed on to us by Jesus Christ. Something that you just said, similar, it's the same echoing. And then, of course, Cardinal Pell, who's been on our show here, uh, he's a successor of the apostle. He says, uh, we have a duty to bear witness to the truth. How many times have you said that, Bishop Strickland? Cardinal Pell told the National Catholic Register, he said, I described the Sandano path as a rupture, not compatible with the ancient teachings of scripture the magisterium not compatible with any legitimate doctrinal developments hey we're all on the same page that's what the catholic church needs today more bishops suing like bishop strickland when we come back we'll talk more about our catholic faith and our love for jesus christ especially in the holy Eucharist. stay with us family Welcome back to the Bishop Strickland Hour. My name is Terry Barber. You get the message from the bishop. We're all on the same page. We're calling all of us 
if I teach something that's not going to be in accordance with the Catholic faith, the bishop says, Terry, hold on a minute. You're wrong. And here's why you're wrong. And to be honest with you, folks, if I heard Bishop Strickland say something that's not part of the deposit of faith out of love, I say, excuse me, Bishop, I'm sorry. That's not what the catechism says. And he can say, go pound sand, Terry. Or he could say, let me look it up. No, you're right. Okay, I, I, I'll, I'm, that's not what I, sh- I should, I stand corrected. That's humility, Bishop Strickland. It's the truth that sets us free. Bishop Strickland, you've been telling us that lay people need to stand up too, not just bishops. And I thought of this story in Vietnam. There's a new story. It says, Vietnam Catholics drive out communist officials who interrupted the archbishop's mass. Um, this was for the first time he saw local government officials approach the altar to interrupt the Mass without waiting for it to end, as they had done in the past. For the first time, we see them addressing priests with violence, disrespecting the sacred ministries. And so what happened, Bishop Strickland, is as these officials came in with their helmets on to the altar to, to, to confront the archbishop, lay people decided to protect their prelate and drove the two guys out of the church by just pure numbers. And now they're filing a report with the government saying this is, uh, you know, wrong. It's brutal. They're calling it blasphemy to come in and interrupt a sacred mass. And I thought those people must believe Bishop Strickland. They must really believe in the faith to take a risk like that. What are your thoughts about that story? Well, really, like you said, Terry, it it obvious. It's obvious that they do believe, and. We need to stand for that belief. Yeah. We certainly, it, violence is not the way, but strength is not violence. No. And people need to be strong in their faith and simply say no. Like you said, the, the numbers can overwhelm. Yep. And, you know, thankfully, these uh, officials were smart enough yeah. to, to recognize they were outnumbered. Yeah. And, People, you know, it may come to that in this country as well. I hear you. Um, it's it's certainly the mood around the world is like people can be pushed around and the authority of the state and people need to people have resisted before and they need to resist again, according to the truth that they know. And, you know, to keep it peaceful, but to be strong. And I think that that's something that we really need to recognize in our time that being peaceful does not mean being passive right and being run over right. that really is not peace real peace is strength certainly not attacking anyone no violence but we need to, for real peace we need people to be strong in their faith and to support each other and to speak up and not let a few voices of insanity just keep shouting us down. People need to speak up because I still believe that the vast majority of people mm-hmm. are believers yeah. and share a lot of what we believe. And we need to, to be firm in the, the truth that we know the goodness of our nation, the goodness of the people here. Yes, we have our problems, but we need to, we need to speak up more 
And I, I think that's a great example from those people in Vietnam. And I would hope that if something similar happened here, that the people in our churches would do the same and say, no, yep. we're not going to allow you just to run roughshod over us. And certainly we hear tragic stories in, in nations already uh, where that is happening and human rights are being trampled, religious rights are being trampled. We've got to speak up before it's too late and we don't any longer have the freedom to speak up. Well said. I see that happened in Poland during World War II when the Polish people said, no, you're not going to close our churches. And they kept praying. Uh, Bishop Strickland, this kind of fits in with the tweet you sent out about St. Catherine of Siena. Because, I mean, you know, it fits right in. You said, just he quoted her. She says, start being brave about everything. Well, everything? Yes. She says, drive out darkness and spread light. Don't look at your weakness. Realize instead that in Christ crucified, you can do everything. Is that good advice for us today? I would think so. Absolutely. And to, wow. and as she says, be brave in everything. Yeah. Um, it's easier to be brave in the little things mm -hmm. and to, and some of that bravery is I'll, I'll be the first to, to point to myself and say, part of my bravery is to just get over it <laughs> and, and to be stronger, to, to live up to my commitments, to be ready to do what I've promised to do and, and not be wimpy about it, but just do your duty for me as a bishop, for you as yep. a husband and yep. father and grandfather yep. in the smallest ways. Yeah. Don't, I can't just let my flock get away with things that are ultimately harmful to them. Amen. The same thing for you right. and your little flock of your family. Yep. To, so I think what St. Catherine says to be brave in everything, to look at everything we do. Are we living the truth? Are we being genuine to what a Christian disciple, a Catholic disciple is called to do, to, to quit making excuses for ourselves and to be more committed and stronger? We need that strength across everything in our society and to eliminate the things that are pulling us into darkness. There have been, there have been too many years of, of compromise and weakness. We need to be strong strong and joyful in Jesus Christ. Well said. And Mother Angelica said something similar in another tweet you sent out. She said, teach me, my Jesus, how to maintain joy in the midst of difficulties. And I'm going to tell you, Bishop Strickland, my humble opinion is, how do you bring people to Christ? Not so much, and I'm just going to say the teaching, but your joy. People have to get the idea that why is this guy so happy? Why is he so enthusiastic about like why is he so what, what's going on with him and i'm going to share a quick story and zip my lip but i took it from you not don bosco well don bosco did the same thing bishop strickland do you remember the time you asked a young teenager if he could do more push-ups than you could <laughs> remember that yes well you know i have a lot of funerals here that we work with and a lot of fallen away catholics well there was a young guy that uh his brother died and he'd been away from the church so I was trying to befriend him and doing everything I could to serve him. And I asked him, this This is going to make you laugh, but I said, what's it going to take to bring you back to the church? I said, you, know, you need to come home. 
And he says, yeah, I know. I need redemption probably, probably. And I said, I'll tell you what. Let's make a deal. Uh, you said, you know, he goes, I don't drink. I don't use drugs. You know, I live a good life. I said, great. That's great. But let's get you back in the flock. I said, you're in good shape, right? He said, yeah. He says, I've exercised. I said, okay, if you can do more push-ups than I can right now. Let's, let's see who can do the most push-ups. If I do more push-ups than you, you come back to the church. You got a deal? I go down on my knee. I start pumping the push-ups out. And he looks at me and he goes, no, nah, no, wait a minute. No, no, no. I can't do that. And I, my joke was that I was wanting to challenge him to come back, that I love him that much that we, we're willing to do this right now. Come on, put it up. The point I'm making, Bishop Strickland, is this is what I think is necessary to bring people back, to challenge them to come back to the bride of Christ. And you're doing that right now and by sending these tweets out from Mother Angelica, St. Catherine of Siena, and others. And I just want to say all of us need to be that way. We need to get involved. I'm taking my grandson to a park. I get into a conversation with other um, people there with their children, and I'm giving cards out for Virgin Most Powerful to help build their body up with their their their, their uh their family. Why is it? We have to reach out to people right now. These, there's a lost race out there. They're not following Christ many times because they don't have an invitation to bring them back. And you're doing that through your tweets. Um, Bishop Strickland, I have a couple minutes before the break. I wanted to ask you, you had a tweet about uh, a great um, a movie called This Is The Night, a Catholic short film. Can you tell us about that and why you're asking people to watch it? Yeah, it's, it was produced by the St. Philip Institute, actually, for last year. Okay. But I, I've encouraged them to promote it for every Holy Week. Good. It's just, it's a, it's a short video mm -hmm. with no words, with some beautiful music and some beautiful imagery. Good. That just attempts in an artistic way mm -hmm. to say, what is this Jesus dying and rising all about? Um, and it, it basically captures one young man, probably late teens, maybe 20s, that is, again, it, it's creatively done without any words so that you didn't have to worry about whether it's in, in our world. It's you've got to make it bilingual, which we've got to reach out to everyone. Oh. So it's bilingual in the sense that there's no language. Yeah, it's just the language of music and visual imagery. But. I think they did a beautiful job. It actually won an award. Good. And so I've encouraged them to to put it out there. And that's what why I tweeted it again. They actually did an explanatory kind of behind the scenes video mm -hmm. of how it was made. And I tweeted that as well. Good. I just encourage you. It's probably less than five minutes long, but it it's a way of capturing the beauty of all the liturgies and all that we're doing during Holy Week. And that's the St. Philip Institute. Uh, not only does it have that um, film, but there's tons of other resources on the website. Is that correct, Bishop Strickland? Yeah, lots of things for families, yeah. just the life of faith here in the diocese, which, you know, people are people. Um, and the St. Philip Institute exists primarily to bring the truth of our Catholic faith mm -hmm. to, to form disciples in the Diocese of Tyler, 33 counties in Northeast Texas. But there, where you in, are in California yeah, or in, in Washington way. State yeah. or in Florida or in Georgia or in 
South Carolina or in New York. People are people. We all need the same truth that Jesus Christ suffered, died, and rose to, to share with us, to make it possible to choose the light. So I encourage people to to watch the video and to to look at all the resources that the St. Philip Institute produces. Awesome. And I just want to welcome people from um, from China. We're actually getting re- uh, people that are being monthly donors. Are you ready? From China. And I just can't believe all around the world, France, Italy, uh, English-speaking Catholics around the world tune in to Virgin Most Powerful. So that St. Philip Institute, you can t- tune into that on a daily basis and get much valuable resources. We need to pray for the people in Shanghai from what I'm hearing in the news. I mean, they're not saying much, but from what I'm hearing, the people there are suffering drastically. Yeah, we'll talk. Need our prayers. Absolutely. And we're going to talk about that and also about uh, some U.S. priests who are very bold in standing up for the faith right now. Stay with us, family. You're here at the Bishop Strickland. Welcome back to the Bishop Strickland Hour. My name is Terry Barber. I'm with Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Bishop Strickland mentioned uh, some folks, uh, the people in Shanghai, China. I read the article, Bishop Strickland, that they're keeping people in their homes, but without much food. They don't. They can't even leave their homes. And so, yeah, we need to pray for them. And uh, that's about what I read on the article. So it's a very difficult situation they're in. That's is that your understanding, Bishop Strickland? Yes, I don't know a lot of details, but it, clearly they're suffering, and it sounds like a, a drastic injustice to the people of God there. But uh, all we can do at this point is pray. Absolutely. And I think of that right at this very moment. There's a 28-year-old man, I'm meeting the family later, uh, their son hung themselves within a half a mile from our studios, and they're doing the funeral right now. And I just, my heart goes out to these people who are lost. And this is the world we're living in. Now, Bishop Strickland, I know as a layman, I've said a similar thing to the bishops and cardinals that are not teaching the Catholic faith in Germany and other parts of the world. I implore them to return back to the faith. But I actually have, was good, not good friends, but I recorded a lot of recordings for Courage Father Harvey, back in the 1980s when he started Courage. And this is an organization that ministers to people who have same-sex attraction. And the, now the director there from Courage, I have not met him, uh, but I, you said you applaud Father Polhoski's plea to the cardinals that truth is the greatest charity. So basically, what did he do? He's, he's telling the cardinals to uphold. I mean, this is almost like, what? Are you having to do this? Yes, we are actually having to have lay people, priests, bishops, calling other people in the church to say, go back to the fundamentals of the faith. Don't, you know, compromise on these moral teachings on sexuality. And I, I just say this to you, Bishop Strickland, that it seems that this is a wake-up call all throughout the church. I'm hearing more people willing to, you know, Take a pay a price for this to say, wait a minute, this isn't what our church teaches. And we're actually saying, and I know this is an analogy, but the emperor has no clothes on. And we're calling them out and saying in charitably, in a charitable way, return back to the teachings of Christ. 
Yeah, Terry, that's what it's all about. And thankfully, more and more voices yeah. you do hear, uh, you know, the, the truth being proclaimed. And we need to hear every voice uh, that because it is the truth. It sets people free. And we've simply got to make it very clear that whether it's same-sex attraction yeah. or whatever yeah. the the issue a person is dealing with, yes. absolutely, prior to any action, we're simply children of God, Amen. all of us beloved by God, whether you have same-sex attractions or you're you prone to uh, alcoholism or whatever the malady you're dealing with. And we, according to the catechism, yes, it is disordered. Yes. A, an attraction that is to the same sex is disordered. People want to change that. Uh, but that's simply the truth. It doesn't mean a condemnation of the person. And even if, even if they've been living that lifestyle, that doesn't mean that they are not beloved of God any longer. Right. But real love is the truth. The greatest charity is to share the truth. Yes. And I, that's why I really applaud mm -hmm. courage. Yes. Because what they're doing is ministering to people who are having these struggles. Yes. But not saying, oh, well, you're struggling. So go ahead and keep sinning. That's not charity. Yeah. That's. That's horrible. Yeah. That's devastating. And people have contacted me and told me that when these organizations that don't follow the path of the gospel that yeah. courage is promoting, yeah. love the person and teach them and help them to turn away from the sin, whatever it is. Yep. And that has gotten lost in, in the past several years where people say, oh, you're condemning, you're judging. The, the scriptures say, judge not yet, lest ye be judged. Absolutely. We're not to judge each other. That's up to God Right. for all of us. We will be judged by God. That's right. But it's not up to any of us. But we make judgments. And that's what's gotten lost. People say, oh, well, you can't judge another person. So that means you don't judge. Is this true or is this false? Yep. We've got to make judgments. We do it constantly. That's part of being human. Being created in the image and likeness of God means that we make judgments. Should I drink this? Should I eat that? Should I go there? We make judgments daily. We make decisions. To say that we can't make judgments about what's true and false in our lives, it, it dehumanizes us. That doesn't mean we're judging the person, but we're judging, is this a life-giving action that will help the person flourish or not? If it's not, the charitable thing to do is to say, no, don't do that. I mean, Terry, we've talked about it before, yes. and I've used the analogy that as you, as a father, yes. if you see your child about to run out into the street, of course. You don't say, oh, well, Johnny's about to run into the street, but I'm I'm not going to correct Johnny, and I'm going to let Johnny do whatever he feels for that moment. No, you're going to say, as his father, you're going to say, Johnny, stop. Stop running into the street. Exactly. I literally witnessed that with a family 
just the other day. Tell me. The dad goes running off for the little two-year-old yeah. who's about to get out into traffic. Oh, no. And the dad says, no, you can't do that. You can't just sit there and say, oh, well, Johnny's decided he's going to run into the traffic. And, well, we love Johnny, so we don't want to correct Johnny. And Johnny's going to get killed. That's maybe people will say, oh, that's a silly analogy. But that's really basically what it comes down to. If a person is walking toward danger, the loving thing to do is to say, stop. Yep. You're on a dangerous path. Exactly. You're going to destroy yourself. It's not the loving thing to do is say, oh, well, if this is where you feel like going and this is the path you've discerned you want to take, you identify as this today. That is not love to just say, oh, well, go ahead. And and part of it is we've lost our grip on reality. Yeah. But the objective truth. If it's all just things that we make up on a daily basis, then it makes it very hard to make a real judgment. But we need to get back to the basics. We need to recognize that things are really not that complex. If we want to be healthy, we've got to eat healthy food. If we want to have a healthy soul, we need to pray and to avoid sin. It's it's really basic and that's what we need to get back to, as we've said many times, to the fundamentals, to the basic yeah. truth that guides us. And, you know, Bishop Strickland, we're in our 60s. We've experienced what we I call the spirit of Vatican II. Not the Vatican II documents, but the spirit of Vatican II. Many priests, bishops, I'm sorry, lay people, all of us have unfortunately got the mis, mixed signal that Vatican II said it's OK to do anything. No, it's not. That's a false understanding of what Vatican... They use that Vatican II uh, as a way of an excuse to teach something that's erroneous. Now, this brings back to me something I shared with you from Pope Pius XII, because this is what we call modernism. Let's just be honest what this is, infiltrating the Church. And Pope Pius XII saw modernism coming in years and years ago, and on February of 1949, he rallied the troops, just like you're rallying the troops as a bishop, the Holy Father said, do you want a church that remains silent when she should speak? And 200,000 people in the square said, no. Do you want a church that diminishes the law of God when she's called to proclaim it loudly? The people said, no. Uh, do you want a church wanting to accommodate to the will of man? And it goes on and on and on. Now, I put that on VMPR website because I want people to read the whole presentation by Pope Pius XII because it got me thinking. Wow, if he said that back in 1949, I mean, can you imagine, now this is just me, 2022, the vigor of Christ saying, folks, no compromises. We're going to, you want a church that just is one with the world? No, then I'm not going to give, I'm not going to compromise. And I think that this presentation by Pope Pius XII has a lot to say to the church, you know, what, 70 years later, 75 years later? And there's a lot of truth. We can't compromise with the world. It's one of the uh, things that I feel strong about, that the church has to be not with the world. We have to. Who's going to influence who? We have to influence the world rather than the world influencing the church. Am I on to something, or am I just kind of pontificating with you, Bishop? Well, you're on to something for sure, Terry. We're called to be in the world, but not of the world. Yeah. And right now, too much of the church, too much of humanity is of the world. Yeah. 
And it's as if too many people live, even within the church, as if this world is, is that all there is? That's, you know, that old song. I think it was Peggy Lee that sang it. Um, <laughs> is that all there is? Yeah. Let's just keep dancing. No, that's not all there is. Not just the, the drudgery of this life. We're called to glory. That's what we're celebrating this week Amen. in the resurrection of the Lord. And I know we're about to run out of time in this segment, but I think for this, we're in Holy Week. Yes. And I know when people listen to this, I guess it'll be after Holy Week. Right. It'll be during the Easter season. But let's talk a little bit about some of those changes of Vatican II and how they got derailed, really. Yes. Let's take the simple thing of giving up meat on Fridays. Right. What was the purpose of that? Yeah. To connect us to what we celebrate on Good Friday. Amen. The sacrifice of Jesus Christ to make some little sacrifices ourselves. And the church with Vatican II said, this, I mean, the, the council fathers judged that that needed to be updated. It needed to be renewed yeah. because it had missed its, it, they'd lost its meaning. Right. I think we went further away from its meaning, yeah. sadly, but that wasn't the intention of the documents. It was to say, why are we doing this? I mean, I frankly love fish. Yeah. So that's not much of a sacrifice. We need to make sacrifices. Amen. For the war. We'll be back with more of Bishop Strickland now. Stay with us. Welcome back to the Bishop Strickland Hour. Uh, Bishop, I love what you just said at the end of the segment that you'd like to talk about these changes, especially when it comes to, you know, uh, no meat on Friday. What does this mean? So, okay, I'll throw it over to you. Let's hear the authentic teachings of Vatican II. Well, really, Terry, um, what I believe was mm -hmm. a recognition. Let me just focus on this for a moment. Sure. The, the documents talking about the liturgy, mm -hmm. they say that we need to promote full and active participation in the liturgy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I fully embrace that more deeply than I even understood, you know, just a few years ago. I understand more deeply and I still have to keep going deeper. But absolutely, full and active participation in the liturgy is a beautiful call to recognize what the liturgy is about. Every person there is beloved of Christ. We're all part of him. We need to embrace that. And the human tendency to go to Mass, and, and frankly, whatever form the Mass takes, whatever language, whatever the ceremony, it's a human reality that becomes routine. We're human beings. We have to fight against that human tendency by recognizing what's really happening. The glorious celebration commemoration of what Jesus Christ has accomplished for humanity. Amen. That's what every Mass is and should be. I celebrate a lot of times at least two Masses in a given day. Wow. It's a challenge in our 
weak, unfocused humanity to each time we celebrate the Mass to really enter into what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And as a bishop of the church, I would confess that I probably never have because I'm human. Yeah. I'm distracted. Sure. I'm weak. Sure. But we have to keep striving for it. I've we've grown up through a time where that full and active participation went off the rails in significant ways. Oh, yeah. Because instead of calling the heart the way I would put it, Terry, in my own in it, my own limited understanding, it's still limited. It always will be. Mm-hmm. But what I believe full and active participation really means is my heart and your heart more deeply connected to the sacred heart of Jesus Christ. You nailed it. That's full and active participation in the Mass. Wow. That doesn't mean carrying banners up the aisle or waving streamers or doing all the things that we got caught up in. That's right. In the years after Vatican II. It's a matter of heart. Amen. It's a matter of participating more body, mind, and spirit with what's going on in the Mass. It's not about moving around. It's about entering more deeply into this wondrous mystery that I'll confess, like I already have, Mm -hmm. we always will fall short. And that frustrates people. We, as human beings, we want to get there. We want to say we've perfected this. We never will. We're approaching the heavenly realm at the Mass. And so, I mean, you know, I get a little carried away, but should. just that one phrase, I would encourage all of us mm-hmm. to just take some time to ponder, what does it really mean? The reality of Vatican II, not some spirit of, oh, I'm free to do whatever. Yeah. It actually means I'm more and more profoundly called to focus, to focus my body, my mind, my spirit, my entire being on Jesus Christ, because he totally focused on us. He poured himself out literally, his body and blood, soul and divinity poured out for all of us. That's what it's about. That's what Holy Week is about. That's what the Mass is about. That's what making some little sacrifice during Lent and hopefully throughout the year to live a sacrificial life and to do it in ways that are meaningful for you as a husband and father and now a grandfather. You're called to make little sacrifices. And I saw my father do that. Wow. To to maybe step back when we weren't sure there was enough meat for everyone, my mother and father would often be the last to be served. Wow. That's the sacrifice we're talking about, a loving sacrifice. As we talk about St. Catherine of Siena, yeah. be brave in the little things. We need to focus on Christ in the little things. Then the liturgy will will come alive. The mass will come alive for all of us, but we've got to go deeper. And that's challenging. People don't necessarily want to do that. It takes a lot of energy. It takes really facing the challenges. 
Bishop Strickland, you sound like Bishop Athanasius Snyder's new book on the Catholic Mass I've been promoting everywhere. And if people want to get a copy of that book, it's from Sophia Press, or you can call us at 877-526-2151. But he does an excellent job in portraying the Catholic Mass from the Fathers of the Church and the 2,000-year history and the saints and just inspirational material for those of us who want to study the Mass because it's a lifetime occupation. We're never going to know it all. We just keep studying this. Bishop Strickland, I love what you said about Vatican II and about these things. We have a few more minutes. I just wanted to ask, if you want to continue on that, but this reading for Wednesday, the day before Holy Thursday, was talking about uh, Judas. And I think the theme says, The Son of Man indeed goes as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It's Matthew chapter 26, verse 14 to 25. And I, I think of that verse where here uh, Judas was an apostle, okay? I mean, this guy was uh, had, had contact with Jesus Christ, and he betrayed him. And I think of myself. I could be Judas. I can. All I got to do is say, oh, no, no, I want to go out the other way. Don't, don't put the pressure on me. And I think of this, and I think of even bishops, I, not just applying it to me, but doesn't this also apply to successors of the apostle that, when they teach something contrary to what Jesus Christ teaches, in a sense, they're removing themselves from Christ and saying, I have a better idea than what Jesus Christ is saying. And I'm just saying this scripture verse hit me because of what we talked about with certain bishops who are teaching things that aren't within what Christ taught. So I'm just saying, does this apply to not only bishops, but to lay people, to all of us, about the possibility of all of us being able to reject Christ as Judas did? Absolutely. Um, we, we all need to look at Judas and recognize mm-hmm. there, but for the grace of God, go all of us. Yep. Um, and to the, to the extent we're all sinners. Yeah. So our sinfulness is a little hint of Judas. Hopefully just a little hint that we need to repent of, confess, be cleansed once again, over and over and over again, because we remain sinners. But that little hint of Judas Mm -hmm. can grow and pride and all the deadly sins can just can take over our lives. And we see it illustrated so often throughout history and in our own time. We need to to see Judas as a cautionary tale. Mm. All of us can go that direction of Judas. And, you know, I can't sit back and say, oh, well, I'm a bishop now and I've been anointed, so I'm, I'm, I'm off scot-free. Absolutely not. In many ways, I would put it this way, Terry, the greater our responsibility, the greater the threat of following the path of Judas rather than following the path of Jesus Christ. Wow. That happened for you. When you were a single man, That's right. I know it's a long time ago and you've been married for many years, yeah. but when you were a single man, you were just really responsible for you. That's right. Living rightly. But you've taken on more responsibility. And I would wager that as you think about your life since you first married and with the children and then the grandchildren in your years of marriage, 
I would wager that you've come to understand that you have more responsibility than ever to follow Christ and be faithful to him and more temptations to not live up to that responsibility. That's the same for me. The tremendous responsibility of being a shepherd of souls, of being a bishop, of being responsible to help others. I can't make their individual choices for them, but I do have the responsibility to stand for and share the truth of Jesus Christ with all the people of East Texas, all the people that I can speak to. And in these days with these videos, I can speak to more than the people of East Texas. They're they're my bride. They're my primary flock that I've got to speak to. And and that's a tremendous responsibility. We all, the more responsibility we take on, the more fraught with difficulty it is. We have to rely on the grace of God. Every husband and father has to rely on the grace of God. Every wife and mother has to rely on the grace of God. But we've got to really be very clear that we can all, and in many ways, the world is calling us on the path of Judas. Oh, compromise here, and you'll have more money. Compromise here, and you'll get more more fulfillment, more pleasure in life, more focus on yourself. There are all those temptations that just can overwhelm us so easily. Thankfully, the Lord never abandons us. He never abandoned Judas. No. Judas walked away. The Lord didn't walk away from him. Judas went and got the 30 pieces of silver and betrayed the Lord. The Lord didn't leave Judas. Judas left the Lord. I think that gives us hope that the Lord is always going to be there. Even if we tend in the direction of Judas, we can always awaken to the truth again and return to the Lord, repenting of our sins. And that's exactly what Peter did. He he denied Christ, but then he repented of that. We can go to confession. Yeah, We have right now. Bishop, how about a, uh, a blessing for our listeners, please? Heavenly Father, we ask your blessing for everyone listening. Let us joyfully continue to seek and live the truth of your Son and know that this truth is what sets us free. And we ask this blessing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks again, folks, for listening to the Bishop Strickland Hour. You can hear all these shows by going to vmpr.org, all the past shows and all the future shows that we have here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. I hope you have a great Easter Tridium. May God bless you and your family. And thanks for joining us here on the Bishop Strickland Hour on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. God love you and your family.